everyone and welcome to the Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host Romy Adair and in this podcast we get into the nitty gritty parts and experiences that are often had during the journey to become a professional dancer. Chatting to dancers in training and professional from all around the world creating one safe space that can be shared by many. Without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast. In today's episode I'm joined with Megan Wise, also known as the Broadway PT on Instagram. Hi Megan. Hi. How are you? I am doing okay. How are you? Good. I'm I'm okay too. I'm okay. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for coming on and I'm excited for our conversation so let's just get into it. Yeah. Um, So first of all how old are you? I am 33. 33 that's not mm-hmm. I've had yeah it's interesting I'm getting more of a mix of p- people um I think it's nice to have I guess like more older people on the podcast um mm-hmm. because it's because a lot of the listeners are younger so it's good to kind of speak to people with the experience um mm-hmm. so yeah um and what was your training in kind of like you don't have to go into so, to, super detail but because we'll mm-hmm. talk about it in a bit but just like baseline uh, so I grew up doing classical ballet, uh, mostly um, like Chiquetti method, mm-hmm. and then a lot of jazz that was more Fosse inspired before I then got into the musical theater style dance and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of my education overall, um, I got my bachelor's in health science, and then I got my doctorate in physical therapy, which is how we ended up talking to each other here. Nice. Um, we'll get into kind of, I guess, that journey a little bit because I think it's kind of interesting to talk about that change over. Um, and I don't know, do you still do dance? Um, I do not. You know? So it's been a long time since I took regularly. It's been okay. over 10 years mm-hmm. since I was all taking class, you know, okay. every day or several mm-hmm. times a week kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Do you remember, and um, this is kind of, I guess could be an odd question. Um, do you, did you ever have a favorite leotard growing up as a dancer? Um, I was one of those that I always liked one that had like a nice uh, back to it. Like mm-hmm. if it had a really deep back, mm-hmm. I wanted to show off with my back muscles, I think is really mm-hmm. what it was. And so mm-hmm. anything that had that style, I was into it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I think every dancer kind of has one thing that they're like okay like I don't know could it be the shoulders the back um right. the neckline yeah mm-hmm. um what point shoes did you wear did you I was a Grishko 2007 okay interesting yep. mm-hmm. um and what was your favorite choreography um or like style growing up um mm-hmm. or if you have a particular remembering of learning anything um well, the, my favorite ballet that I actually got to perform in was Le Corsaire. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got to perform my actual favorite ballet, Swan Lake, mm-hmm. um, before becoming injured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and since that point, getting into more of like the jazzy style, I fell in love with more of like the Jerome Robbins style, ballet and sneakers style okay. stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of where um, I gravitate yeah. towards is that like opus jazz kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. And what is your favorite food? I will eat any kind of Mexican food pretty much any day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, let's kind of chat more about your background then, kind of like your dancing background and you just mentioned you were injured, so I'm assuming that kind of was 
something that <laughs> made yeah. you kind of switch over into being a PT. So I guess, yeah, you can go into as much detail as you like. Um, if there's any moments that I want to unpick, I will stop. I guess I'll kind of stop you and we can unpick it. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I started out doing ballet. I was mm-hmm. in a very small town that didn't have a lot of, uh, other arts culture things to it really. And for some reason, um, this professional dancer, when she retired, decided to settle down there and started her own studio. And it was like very true, honest classical ballet. It wasn't, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't just the like Miss Susie's kind of like ev- everyone ages out at like eight kind of mm-hmm. thing. It was like, this was high level. We were performing mm-hmm. full length ballets kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was doing very much that like pre-professional track without necessarily saying it that way. Yes. But you, yeah. <laughs> now, now we say that of like, this is the pre-professional and you're like, that's mm-hmm. just what we did. Yeah. So um, I, I grew up doing that. And then at 16, I injured my foot, but we were performing at the time. So I couldn't really take a ton of time off. Mm -hmm. I did what I thought I needed to do and rested as much as I could, kept performing, took some time off between Mm -hmm. the two shows that we did every year. And it came back with a vengeance Mm -hmm. and it ended up being something so bad that I stopped dancing for six months. So I completely ended everything for a bit. And then when I realized it wasn't going to get better because I kept going to all of these doctors who kept either not believing that there was anything wrong Mm -hmm. or not even really testing anything to see if there was anything wrong. Uh, Or they were giving me the like, ah, just take some like painkillers and you'll be fine kind Mm -hmm. of advice. Yeah. And I was getting kind of what every dancer gets. It's why no one wants to go to a doctor. You know what they're going to say. They're going to tell you to stop or they're just going to say, here's some painkillers and, you know, maybe one day I'll need surgery. So, mm. so I was getting that same runaround and just kept dancing through it when I could. Mm-hmm. And then eventually got to a physical therapist. And when I got to him, it was one of those like mind blowing things of like, oh, this actually makes sense. Now you're mm. telling me what's going on with my body and then giving me ways to work with it instead of it just being like, well, you screwed it up. That's mm. on you too bad. Uh, so it became this thing of like, oh, you can actually heal with movement. Mm-hmm. We can actually become stronger. There's all of this knowledge that other people have mm-hmm. that could improve my dance and could improve my pain. And just as being a human being, it would improve me. And so that became the thing that I wanted to do. Okay. So okay. yeah, from that point on, it was like, let's go to school, become a PT and then do this for dancers so that they're getting mm-hmm. the knowledge from someone who knows what it's like. Yeah. And I think that's such like a big thing that a lot of people, when I'm talking to friends who will go and see like a professional doctor, well, kind of anyone that they're referred to go to is that feeling of not feeling understood in what's going on and how they're, you know, feeling and the pain they're feeling and the being told you have to stop. And it's like, well, I can't, like I have this, this, and this, and this to do. And yeah it's hard kind of when you go to see someone for an injury and they kind of don't get it mm-hmm. and so I think that's something that's so important of having people in the field of you know whether that be physiotherapy or personal training or anything that's kind of made to help dancers I think it is so helpful to have those professionals if you know to have a dance background especially for like a dance, like from a dancer's point of view, 
um it makes a massive difference um everything from just feeling comfortable um I mean so many things and I'm sure you've felt that as a you know a young student but also now on the other side understanding you know what a dancer needs because you've been there mm-hmm. um, yeah and it's so much more than knowing the language because mm-hmm. I think that's that's what a lot of like outsiders think of like well if I can just memorize like what the words are and what the movements are that's enough mm-hmm. but because I came from that same place I know the like mental side of it yeah. and I think that's that's something you can't like go to school for <laughs> and so exactly. I get the like inner pulling of of what that means of if you can't dance, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are people thinking of me? What will this do to my career? But all of these different concepts that we are used to just keeping inside of our head as dancers, um, I'm used to it. So I can see it happen on a table when someone comes in and I'm like, okay, I'm noticing this fear. We're going to deal with that now. And we're going to make sure you actually feel comfortable and mm-hmm. that you can bring something back with you into the studio or rehearsal. Yeah. And I think that's what well, is super important because I think a lot of dancers stop dancing because of an injury. Um, and the whole thing is that we don't want dancers to feel like they have to stop when they're injured and to feel like they can overcome that injury. But I don't know, like I'll talk to people who I'm friends with and they'll be like currently injured or just like have a bad niggle, but it's getting the right support mm-hmm. for them is it's difficult. It is difficult. And, you know, not everyone has the same financial access and there's all these different things that um, come into reaching out for help. Um, So, yeah, I think that's definitely a big thing. And to know that and think as, as well coming with that is you have to go out and make, well, don't know how to explain it, but I guess like it makes sense because you have to put, you know, you put down a, certain amount of money whatever you book a session and you know sometimes it just won't you'll go meet you'll go get a PT session or mm-hmm. and it's not you feel like you can't get anything out of it because you don't feel understood and then a right. lot of people like that will be might be their first introduction to that and going forward they'll be like oh no I went to this physio and he was awful or she was awful therefore I'm not going to go back or try right. someone else because they're first. And I think that happened, like yeah. I've, the amount of stories I've had. Of oh yeah. Oh, I mean, so I, that's how a lot of people come to me is they yeah. have done that with someone else. So they have given up on it. They're like, oh, PT just, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't do anything. I mm. think it's, and I'll hear it. And by the time they come to me, they're like, oh, you are different. Mm. Okay. Okay. So that was like, not someone for me yeah maybe they're good with someone else Mm -hmm. but I I needed a different person Mm. Uh, yeah it's it's really challenging because it is this like if you're putting down money and the time and energy you want to feel like you're getting the highest quality for you each time Mm. Mm. but it's such a risk because you never know who you're working with exactly so hard (laughs) it's the it's the risk factor um Mm. I definitely went through that at school and I know a lot of people especially I guess if you're in a school or in a place where they don't have, I don't know, like maybe a PT that's been working there for like 15 odd years and all the dance and he's, you know, there's a anyone, they've had a good track record of helping the dancers get through. That's great. But when you have to like start outsourcing 
yourself and you don't know what to look for like what should you be looking for are we looking at experience are we looking at where they did their degree like there's so many things that most that a lot of people will be like I don't know even know where to start right right it, that is a challenge mm. because mm. <laughs> especially since I mean you're you are dealing with physios so there are mm. different licensing things that happen yes, in exactly. Europe versus the United States too so there are some things that I can say to people here in the states of like you know, it kind of doesn't matter where they graduated from because we all mm. have to take the same exam. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you should be able to call any office and ask them like, so what are their like special skills? Like, are they, do they work with individual athletes or do they mm-hmm. have like the, the asking those kind of questions of like, do they work with dancers, um, with professional dancers? Mm. Sometimes people will say that and it's like, maybe they've seen one dancer like the for their entire career. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I can work with them. And it's like, I've worked with professional football players too, but I'm not catering to them because Mm. that's not my expertise. Mm. I can only take them so far. And I know Mm. that. So it it is interesting how many people will market that, oh, I can work with anyone. And then Mm. they really can't, Mm. Uh, but you should be able to call most places and ask like, so what are your certifications and what what's the person that would work really well with this kind of personality or with um, Mm -hmm. someone who's currently in season? Um, So if you talk more like an athlete, it tends to come across a different way to to a physio Mm -hmm. because they can kind of pick up on that a little bit more easily and go, oh, you're in season, which dancers are kind of always in season, (laughs) but (laughs) which is a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. But they'll go, oh, so this is a different level. This isn't like you know, maybe you just do this recreationally and it's just yeah. a fun thing. So they kind of see the seriousness there and can tell you a little bit more about where mm. you should go. I think that's a really great way of putting it. Um, and actually just great advice in general, because I've never really thought about like asking about, well, I guess it would make sense, but it just hadn't really crossed my mind about like asking, have they worked with professional dancers or athletes? And the whole thing about know the difference between in season and out season, even though dance is always in season like you said um but I think that's kind of a good idea especially for people listening um if you're having to outsource help kind of looking at from that perspective as well mm-hmm. I think can help you find a person more fit for you um I guess kind of oh how is it for like for people who are then wanting to work with you what do you tend to see a lot of um is it a mixed because you're in New York um is it a mix (laughs) it totally is yeah um it's it's very much because I work with mostly musical theater too Mm -hmm. there's a very different kind of injury that happens there versus the like ballet dancers that I've seen Mm -hmm. um simply because of the nature of their show So with ballet, usually you're doing things kind of in rep too. So you're Mm -hmm. doing, maybe you're doing the same ballet for a couple of weeks and then you move on to another one. So you're not doing it eight times a week forever. Mm. So it's slightly different in that way. Whereas, you know, Broadway shows and off-Broadway shows, you're doing eight productions. (laughs) Yeah. They just keep going. There's like no rest ever. Yeah. And then if they want to get to another, if they want to book another gig, then they're rehearsing during the day somewhere else and then doing a performance Mm -hmm. for a whole different show at night. It's wild. Mm -hmm. So it's just, there's a different thing that happens there. Um, They're all overuse injuries, basically. I mean, that's 
that's kind of the common denominator is mm-hmm. that performers are athletes. So they're getting athletic injuries that are due to overtraining, not resting enough mm-hmm. and fatigue. Like those are the big ones okay. every now and then there's trauma. Cause that, that happens, you know, people mm-hmm. will trip up, you know, going downstairs or there will be a fall or something. So things like that happen, but mm-hmm. most of them are that like overtrained, overworked fatigue style injury. Yeah. I think that's, would you say you also see that? Well, who you, if you work like when working with ballet dancers, that's also, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Very much so. <laughs> mm. Yeah. I definitely, I mean, when I think about like kind of the people that I know that have been injured or even like, yeah, niggles turning into bigger injuries. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm it's sure you see it a lot. Where you're, yeah. Where it's like, oh, I thought it was just like a little tight muscle or something. And so like, yeah, I massaged it and then I iced it and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to like calm down on it. And then they're like a few weeks go by and they're like, mm, this is getting worse. Mm. <laughs> and then a few more weeks and oh, wow, this is really bothering me all the time. Yeah. yeah like that's a very common thing, especially in the like ballet world of mm. a little thing kind of blows up into a much bigger thing later. And most people are like, I didn't even know how that started. Mm. It's really weird. Yeah. How, what would you, so I guess like from, I guess, I don't know how to, how to explain this, except that, so for, if you're giving advice to someone or people that are listening, essentially, um, if they're experiencing needle I feel like common is lower leg injuries. I don't know mm-hmm. what kind of, I don't know. Do you see, a, I'm sure you see a lot of lower leg injuries, hip maybe yeah. as well, back. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. think they're the most common things that are <laughs> coming to my mm-hmm. head. Um, if a dancer is like starting to experience more like a niggle mm-hmm. and they're in a, you know, they're in their season of lots of shows, rehearsals, I guess a lot of dancers never really know what to do. A lot of people I know will be like, oh, I'll wait it out for two weeks and see how it's feeling in two weeks time. Mm-hmm. Or would you recommend kind of as soon? Cause I think a lot of people don't know what to do. It's essentially when they start feeling pain, do they wait mm-hmm. a bit and see how it is? Or do they kind of, I guess, look at seeking help right away? Mm-hmm. I think for, I think the reason it's hard to answer that question is because Mm -hmm. it depends on the context too. Yeah. So um, if you are in performance season, Mm -hmm. just go and get it looked at. (laughs) Like that's to me is like, just, just so that at least you have like a game plan Mm -hmm. (laughs) moving forward. Um, Even if it's something small, it can just be like, Hey, can you just take a look at this and make sure I'm doing the right thing Mm -hmm. for it? Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I try to get dancers to do with me here is like, just, just ask me those questions. Cause I might be able to go, oh, uh, you know, that, that sounds like it could develop into something. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want you to think of maybe doing some ice like this and maybe these movements and maybe you avoid this for right now. And after a few days, see how it feels and then you can move on. Mm-hmm. So there's usually some things more specific you can do depending on where you are in the season. Okay. Um, if you are kind of a pre-professional dancer where you're not necessarily in season, maybe you're just doing a lot of training throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're like in an intensive situation, that's mm-hmm. very similar to a performance situation of you're just constantly dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, those situations get a little bit more challenging because that is like 
eh, did you just tweak it a little bit and it'll be fine in a couple of weeks? Mm. Um, for the most part, it is kind of like a watch and wait. Okay. But if you're in that place of like, eh, I, I need to know now so that I'm not making this worse in two weeks and then we're already performing, mm. I won't be able to complete, go right ahead and see someone. Um, yeah. The sooner the better, just so even if you're even if you think you're being annoying, you're not. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. A lot of people think it's like they've been an inconvenience to be injured mm-hmm. or even to ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes people will do that too. Like maybe this is nothing and I'm just wasting your time. Mm. And I'm like, you're not wasting my time. Mm. It's you have legitimate questions and concerns and that's why I do this. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. I'd rather, you know, that now mm-hmm. instead of, in a month or so from now, you coming to me with a prescription in hand being like, so I can't dance at all. Mm. And I kind of knew this was happening like two months ago. It yeah. gets, let's, let's just ask the questions. And mm-hmm. if someone doesn't know how to answer it, cause they're like, eh, nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Find someone else that can answer that better. Yeah. yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, Agree completely. Yeah. I don't think that's great. It's just like assessing everyone's situation will be different and you have to kind of weigh out your pros and cons or what happens if I find out the real answer now or like, yeah, exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I think now's a good time to go into some questions. I've got quite a few and I'm sure we'll kind, you know, they'll be as you can go into as much information as you want. Um, so someone asked, what does a good warm up involve? Mm-hmm. I love this question because mm-hmm. it means people know that their warm ups aren't what it should be, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, warm ups should be active. And so when I teach them, I tend to tell people first, you need to get your heart rate up because you actually need to get warm. Mm-hmm. So this means this could be jumping jacks. It could be running in place. It could be bouncing up and down. It does not have to be anything fancy mm-hmm. or special, but you do need to be doing something that literally raises your heart rate enough mm-hmm. where you feel like your skin is getting warm. Mm-hmm. That's step one, mm-hmm. right after doing that, which may take a minute or two tops, mm-hmm. you go into very general mobility work. So this is not stretching necessarily. This is doing like ankle rolls and plies and hip circles. And maybe if you like kicking the hips front and back and side to side, maybe doing some squats, that kind of thing. So it's very quick mm-hmm. general movements so that you're allowing all the joints to move easily. You're not really focusing on strength or feeling the burn anywhere. Mm-hmm. I like doing it from the foot all the way up. Um, going into, you know, doing roll downs Mm. and doing like nice big spine extensions, just lots of general movement. That's fairly quick. You're not throwing your body around, but you don't want it to be slow, steady holding positions right away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So once you go through that general mobility of the whole body, you can then do more dance specific movements. So that might be where you're prepping what you know you're going to do in class or in terms of a performance, if you know there are certain movements you need to do, then you do like the broken down or smaller versions of them. So Mm -hmm. it's like your body is getting a chance to do it now before you have to do it for real in class or on stage. Mm -hmm. And then finally, at the end, you can do like balance work or a little bit of core work just to feel like everything's kind of aligned and integrated. Um, 
but it shouldn't take more than 10 to 15 minutes to do all of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. And I think that's a really kind of easy way to understand kind of what a good warm up involves. Um, I love the fact that it's, you know, it's not long. It's only like 10 to 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it doesn't have to be long. And I'm sure people listening will understand, or I don't know if it's a ballet thing or what it is, or it's, it's different in different places, but I was in my vocational training. It was really drilled into our heads. that We had to warm up for a whole hour before class. And it was like, it wasn't a spoken thing about who was first in the studio, but there was also a weird who was first in studio. And mm-hmm. I'm sure people listening will understand that. Okay. Who's the first one there to warm up? Oh, the most dedicated, the first mm-hmm. one there. Like, it's so weird when I think about it. I'm like, literally why? Like, what is it? Yeah. Nothing means yeah. nothing. It means nothing. But yeah, that, that whole thing of like, mm. whoever got there first, and they like established their spot in the studio. Mm-hmm. They've been there longer. They must, they must want it more than everyone mm. else. No, it's no, no. warmups are 10 to 15 minutes mm-hmm. because you don't want to fatigue yourself. That's the whole point. It's supposed mm. to be preparation for. Mm. So if you're doing an hour workout before you then have to actually do what you're there to do, mm. you're now in a weaker state. You're already tired. You've already used up some of the calories. You're not in your mm. prime. Mm-hmm. So like you just kind of wasted it on your quote unquote warm up, but that will set you up for potential injury later on because you're now working in a really tired state, whether you feel it or not, your body is not actually prepared anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think like more dancers need to hear that because there's, it's like a really weird thing that I just have encountered so many times about, you know, being the first in the studio or mm-hmm. who is the first but it never really equates to who's I don't want to say the best quote unquote but like it doesn't actually equate to how good someone is mm-hmm. in the studio which is I think something we need to get like being in the studio for an hour before class won't make you a better dancer you're probably going to be get cold like do you know what I mean like by the time it's like five minutes to bar starting you're going to be yeah. cool. You've done your jumping jacks an hour ago. Like, right. <laughs> like you're not warm yeah. anymore unless you're right. running, unless you're like, I don't know, deciding to run for an hour before class. You're not like, what, yeah. but then why would you do that? Right. Um, <laughs> right. That's why would you, why would you tire out everything mm. before it even matters? Like that doesn't yeah. make sense. It's yeah. the same thing with stretching, which I know mm-hmm. is, and it's so strange because even even though so many dancers know they need to do an active warm up, they're just so used to stretching. Just mm-hmm. sit in a straddle, just sit in a frog position, just sit into those positions for several minutes mm-hmm. because, oh, if I don't do that, I don't feel like I have enough length. I can't get my leg where I want to. It doesn't feel warm. Mm-hmm. In reality, passive stretching like that actually makes your muscles weaker. So it then makes it harder for you to use the muscle in class or on stage. So mm-hmm. if you are, constantly stretching your hamstrings and then they always feel strained mm-hmm. it's because you're constantly stretching them mm-hmm. so you're you're not giving them a chance to build up strength because you're just pulling on them constantly mm-hmm. so it's so hard though because we go in and you see other people hanging into these positions and you're like mm-hmm. oh I'm not doing that 
I think I need to be doing that because mm. it, it would look weird if I'm the only one doing jumping jacks before class, right? So it becomes this thing mm. of, yeah, it, mm. avoid the stretches, make it active, do 10 to 15 minutes, and then you will feel much better doing class, especially performance, because mm. then you're not tired for your performance. Yeah, and I think that's an important one, especially when it comes to performing and you've, you know, you've pro- you've may have already done class and rehearsals and, you know, you've got a show that night but you shouldn't have you know you don't need to warm up for an hour before that like right. keep it short um that's really funny because I like I I think during lockdown I really changed like the way I warmed up and you know was I'd be skipping and kind of yeah literally doing exactly what you said you know um getting my heart rate up going into mobility um I might do a bit of strength and maybe a bit of um, a little bit of stretching just because I'm very tight. So if I like my splits don't happen right away, <laughs> it takes mm-hmm. a while. Um, and it was so funny because I was doing, I was like, I was jumping rope. It was like in an audition classroom and I'm just there with my headphones in, like about to do an audition, just skipping and everyone's there in like splits, lifting leg. <laughs> I'm just skipping away. Um, it feels really I kind of love it though. Like, I was like, oh, I'm the only one, like kind of, I like, I don't know. I, it just, I was like, well, at least I know I'm going to be warm. Right. <laughs> and that's right. all that matters. Um, <laughs> but it does make me laugh because I, but I don't know, skipping, I like doing skipping, um, but I don't mm-hmm. tend to see a lot of people, actually a lot of people doing active warm-ups. And I don't know, especially like the whole, they're getting the heart rate up at the first bit. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people feel, maybe feel a bit stupid doing jumping jacks, but like, no, let's get this yeah. whole, we need the whole class doing them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I really wish that like the first, instead of just going right to plies, I really wish it was like, and now everyone just jump around a little mm-hmm. bit and then we'll go to plies. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be that big. Because the ballet class is kind of structured in a way that could be considered a warm up because it starts small yeah. and then gets big. Mm-hmm. So it's like you don't have to do a ton beforehand because you're not kicking your face mm, right exactly. away. Yeah. You're starting with plies. I mean, mm-hmm. it's technically there's a warm up built in, it's just over a much longer period mm-hmm. of time. But um, yeah, it's you could just bounce around for a couple minutes and that's mm. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next question is what do you recommend? from what do you recommend from overtraining for overtraining how to manage it is it best to completely so this person I believe is injured and they've been Mm -hmm. from overtraining um how to manage it is it best to completely stop or continue some sort of movement i.e cardio walking or yoga that's what they had put um Right. So overtraining because it doesn't know what yeah. I don't, obviously we don't know what the injury is, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's maybe a leg, a lower leg, leg. Probably. probably. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the common ones are, you mm. know, ankle issues, calf issues, knee mm-hmm. issues, hip issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're usually leg, um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> sometimes back and neck, but yeah, usually lower body. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, for, for overtraining, it's so training is a continuum. Mm-hmm. So you can undertrain, you okay. can train just right, and then mm-hmm. you can overtrain. So there's a threshold. And that when you're in that like zone of you're doing just enough, you have a little bit of wiggle room to kind of do a little too much sometimes and then come back without hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. You're in an overtrained state when you're consistently doing more than mm-hmm. than you can recover from. Okay. So it very much has to do with not how much you are doing, but it's 
how little recovery you are doing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you are already injured because of overtraining, you don't want to just stop a hundred percent. And that's mm -hmm. hard, especially for ballet dancers. We are like all or nothing. Mm -hmm. You're either doing it full out or what is the point of even being there? Mm -hmm. That concept needs to be thrown out because mm -hmm. it's not real and it does yeah. not help. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> if you are already in that kind of chronic fatigued, everything kind of hurts, you can't seem to get any better. You're plateaued. So you're actually getting worse or just staying the same and you can't seem to get past anything in class you are overtrained. Um, that is your chance to take a step back but not completely stop mm -hmm. so for those people doing something like yeah you can do yoga you can do walking you can do light things on other days it's more about you want to look at your whole training schedule over a week or a month mm -hmm. and then see where can you put in more rest Mm -hmm. So where can you cut out small bits of things instead of just scratching out all of it? Mm -hmm. um, because it's most people when they go, I'm injured, I'm going to take the, the six weeks off because that's what I was told to by my doctor. Mm -hmm. Then they go back in at the same level they were dancing at before that got them injured. Mm. They, they didn't get stronger while they were not doing anything. They didn't get more endurance. They definitely didn't get better at dancing in that time because they weren't able to do it. So you have to do some things. You just mm -hmm. can't do too much. Mm. Um, and that can be really challenging because we tend to want to do everything full out all the time at hundred percent. And you can still take class in an overtrained state. You mm -hmm. just might not do all the jumping or maybe you're there just to work on technique or maybe you're, you're only take part of class. Maybe you're only there for bar and then you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can't do the rest of it. Like this is my time to rest. Mm -hmm. So there are many ways you can get around overtraining, but it mm -hmm. all has to do with taking small steps back. Mm -hmm. So you can allow your body to recover and rest because mm -hmm. that's when you actually build up stuff. Yeah. It's the same thing with uh, learning a new language. You don't mm -hmm. just like jump in and know everything. It's like, as you sleep and as you get used to it and start to like really get it in your brain, then mm -hmm. you actually get better at it. It's the same thing with your physical body. Yeah. So you have to take some things back. Moving a little bit is great though. You don't mm -hmm. want to just go and be stagnant. Yeah, that's, that's exactly. Kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. I just had a little look and she did mention that it was, she has like holidays coming up. So, okay. so she wouldn't be on full schedule. Okay. And I guess like the question I guess what she was also saying is um would it be a good time to like take that chance of rest or um I mean obviously it's so hard like I understand it's so dependent mm -hmm. on everything um I have just double checked as well she did mention it was hip infl hip inflammation um mm -hmm. but I think the advice you've given is great like I yeah. I can't, yeah. Can't. Especially if it's over like a holiday like that. Mm. I mean, that's kind of nice. Cause then you mm. kind of have built in time. Mm. That's probably a good time to be like, let's take less class and mm -hmm. try other just normal human movements for a mm. bit and see what helps me. Mm -hmm. So you're not going for exhaustion or going yeah. for sweat or going for increasing your flexibility. You're mm -hmm. doing it just cause you like to move mm. and you're experimenting with it. Um, a lot of overtraining also 
is kind of mental too. And I've mentioned that a, a common overtraining or chronic injury uh, issue is burnout. Mm. So we never mm. think of it that way because we think it's mental, but burnout is that you're overtrained. Mm-hmm. Your brain can't take it anymore mm-hmm. and you just become too exhausted. So use those holidays for that time to like disengage, do something mm-hmm. else, but don't do it with the idea of like, I'm going to be the best at it during this time <laughs> so that when I go back, I'll be amazing. Like mm. use it, use it as a nice healing time. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back into it, you slowly get into things. You do things based on how your body feels. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. Hopefully that helps to anyone listening that mm-hmm. is kind of in that position. Um, next question is how can dancers get over the fear of a chronic injury occurring? Is this something you see a lot? I think this is interesting because I've definitely experienced the fear of, or even if it's not a chronic injury, but an injury re coming back from the same way it started. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've seen it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the Mm -hmm. cycle, Mm -hmm. the cycle of injury and someone I've had some people call it a a spiral, like a downward spiral. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's like, there's all these different Mm -hmm. things that people have in their head of like, it's, it's that consistent, the roller coaster of injury. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's that fear of it. Uh, is huge, mm. almost bigger than the injury itself. A lot of the time, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's something that you've had, you thought you were over it, mm. and then it comes back. Is usually when it happens the second or third time. That's when people start to go, "Is this the one? Mm. Is this the one that's going to end it?" Mm-hmm. And I, I could see it happen over time mm-hmm. if I worked with someone long enough, where I have to mm-hmm. be like, "Ooh, let's let's have a discussion about how this does not." have to end your career mm-hmm. or even define it in any way mm-hmm. this is just a thing that is happening and and it's no judgment on you mm-hmm. we we need to look at it as though it's something different than the original injury even mm-hmm. though it feels so similar mm-hmm. um, but yeah the the chronic injury fear thing is huge mm. um, if if you are struggling if you're in that state um also seeing a sports psychologist can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. So seeing someone that understands that level of athleticism, yeah. it's different than seeing, you know, a psychologist that's going to help you with other things mm-hmm. in terms of regular life. You need someone that really gets that motivation side of things too. So yeah. that can be very helpful if you want more professional help in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but even working with the physio should be able to help you with that because we should be giving you tools to help you move through it that will mm-hmm. then make you feel like, okay, good. This isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Cause see, I can do this today and that felt fine. And now I can do that tomorrow and that feels good. So some of it is physical too. Um, but yeah, I've definitely deal with it a lot. And yeah. um, for most people, it is a, let's see what we can do today mm-hmm. and we will progress tomorrow. So let's have reasonable goals that are your goals, not just mine, mm-hmm. so that you feel in control and that you can actually test it out a little bit, knowing that it's not dangerous for you to be pushing too hard. So I try to give parameters for people of like, this is what you can do. It's okay if it feels a little bad. It doesn't mean you re-injured it because mm-hmm. it'll calm back down. That's how mm-hmm. the body works. It flares and then relaxes again. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, a lot of it is finding that like 
zone mm-hmm. of tolerance, basically. Of mm-hmm. Usually when you're in a pain or chronic injury state, you're like already at too high a level to tolerate anything. So we have to give you enough to work with that you can tolerate and expand your ability to do more work without feeling terrible doing it. Yeah, I think that's really good advice Um, because it is something that dancers experience and especially when you have like something that feels like it's recurring or if it is recurring, um, I've seen that a lot and it is hard to kind of, also when you have something recurring, it's like, is this going to come back? Am I going to keep seeing this crop up every two years? It's, yeah. 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 I mean, that was my initial injury. Yeah. Yeah, That my foot and ankle injury, it took six years for it to stop being a problem. So I, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get it. it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I've done all of that. But, Mm -hmm. and even now, if it, if it twinges, sometimes Mm -hmm. my brain goes into like, it's happening. And I'm like, what am I doing? It Mm -hmm. is not happening again. I know it's fine. This is something different and I know what to do about it. So like, Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, it's the fear is going to happen as long as you have some kind of good self-talk to get you out of that state. That'll help out a lot. Yeah. Um, But yeah, your, your body can overcome Mm -hmm. and it just means you have to do slightly different work to Mm. get there. Yeah. Um, On to the next question, which is what are some ways to increase turnout and general mobility aside from stretching? thought this was interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure you're laughing because you've seen some of my stuff mm-hmm. on stretching. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so stretching does not improve your turnout or flexibility. I know everyone still believes that it does. Uh, if you want more turnout and mobility, you have to do strength training. The reason for that is because your muscles have to both elongate and contract through their full range of motion in order to move your body a lot. Mm -hmm. So if you want a lot of turnout, that means you actually have to strengthen those turnout muscles in every range of motion that you have available Mm -hmm. so that you can actually use it. Otherwise, as soon as you get out of that stretch, your body has no idea how to maintain it. Mm. Um, Also stretching tends to increase your risk of injury. So if you stretch too much, it can actually cause more tearing and strains and inflammation. So if we're trying to avoid injury in the first place, we don't do that as much. Um, in fact, the Australian ballet years mm-hmm. ago, they implemented a like no stretching thing. And I thought that was amazing. That they were able to do that. If like they do not stretch their dancers there, um, which is fabulous because it's decreased the injuries that they have. Um, but if you want to to especially turnout, since that's kind of the main one that people go for. I know mobility is usually extension work too, Mm -hmm. um, like hamstrings and that kind of thing. So if you want more mobility and turnout there, um, doing general strengthening exercises can help a lot Mm -hmm. going through a full range of motion, not sinking into things. It will feel like a muscle burn. The muscles will feel tight initially, but for good reason, because you're using them. And then they'll be able to maintain it. So doing deadlifts mm-hmm. are great for hamstrings because they actually lengthen the muscle as you're using it. Mm-hmm. So it ends up giving you more mobility and strength there too overall. Um, I know everyone likes clamshells. Clamshells are not my favorite mm-hmm. 
for turnout just because people tend to just squeeze with their hamstrings to do it. Mm -hmm. But if that's all you've got, then you could do clamshells. Uh, but there are lots of strength exercises that you should be doing there um, over time <laughs> to get you into those bigger ranges and then mm -hmm. actually stay there. So you're not starting from the same place each time you go to class. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I mean, there's so, you know, there's so many exercises for strengthening and mobility. Um, right. And obviously we're not going to go through every single one, but hopefully for the listeners that helps a little bit. And I guess if they've got more questions, they can contact you or anyone yes. else who's qualified to do so. Um, mm -hmm. Don't just ask some random person on Instagram who's flexible for tips. <laughs> right. Sometimes, <laughs> I mean... I see some of these from professional dancers they are like, do 46 of this. And, the, and I'm like, what the, if you have to do that many repetitions of something that exercise is no longer useful for you. Mm. Um, so that's another thing too, is just because someone who is already very mobile is showing the exercises doesn't mean that they're going to help you. Mm -hmm. um, I tend to see it mostly from people who, when I look at them, I go, they're actually hypermobile. Mm. So they're, their tissues are actually very lax already. So it's easier for them to go into these positions. That's not going to help someone who isn't hypermobile. Mm -hmm. uh, but as a dancer, you look at it and go, oh my God, her lines are beautiful. I want to look like that. And this is what she does. Mm. So um, yeah, ask someone who actually has a license or a certificate in something. That way they can give you the reason behind why it works mm -hmm. too. Um, because I definitely see the dancers who are like, I do this, you know, 50 times a day. And it's like, ah, it probably isn't that effective anymore then. So mm -hmm. why would you want to do that? It's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Would you say like flexibility is like there's part genetics involved? Uh, there's a little bit of genetics involved mm -hmm. with, with everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but flexibility of the, of the muscle can be changed over time. So mm -hmm. yes. um, yeah, it's, it totally can be. It's just a matter of doing the right kind of loading on the muscle. Mm -hmm. If you overstretch it, it actually won't become more flexible. It's kind of like um, a hairband. If any mm -hmm. of your hair ties have ever gotten too stretched Loose. out, how yep. they don't go back, mm -hmm. that's, you don't want that to happen to your muscles. Mm -hmm. um, you want them to be able to be moving in all directions. So you actually end up strengthening them mm -hmm. as you put more load through them. But there, I mean, there is some genetic component there. Most of it's actually in the joint. Okay. Though. So it yeah. is more, more to do with joints rather than actual muscle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that initial thing that people see, especially those people who can hyperextend, mm -hmm. most of that is a little bit more genetic. Okay. Um, like I can hyperextend. I'm hypermobile in pretty much all of my joints, which made for really pretty lines, but also set me up for more injury. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yay me. Um, but it, it is something that if you build strength around it, it actually can still look very good mm -hmm. and be good yeah. for you down the road. For those people who don't have that laxity, you can still have great lines and have way more strength and be able to do way more on stage mm -hmm. than someone like me, because you're not fighting looseness in your joints. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the genetic part is probably more how mobile the joint is itself mm -hmm. versus how flexible the actual muscle is. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, 
And I think a lot of people, again, will just like, it's quite interesting to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a good question. How can a professional dancer work out with a full time schedule? Is there a recommended load? And on the other hand, what is a good ratio of classes to cross training for a dancer with more time? So they're kind of talking about like having a, I guess, cross training with a full schedule versus finding a ratio of cross training with less rehearsals or like less scheduled um, classes? Mm -hmm. In general, Mm -hmm. dance classes should really only be for technique and skill. Mm-hmm. Um, they shouldn't be the workout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that because a lot of people take a lot of classes, um, thinking that the more classes they take, the better dancer they will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a limit to how many classes your body can handle mm-hmm. in general, it would be ideal if you could cross train more than you actually took class. Okay. which I know is not how the schedule works for a lot of people because mm-hmm. you don't get to dictate how many classes mm-hmm. you take if you're at a certain level. Mm-hmm. Um, but if possible, if you are cross-training, doing more athletic strength training, cardio, endurance, power, agility, if you're doing human motion and you're actually building up some kind of tolerance to doing any kind of activity, Mm -hmm. then when you go into class, you can just work on your technique and improve the specific dance movements that you need. Mm -hmm. And it will work better than if you take a ton of classes and then just try to throw in a few workouts throughout the week. Mm. Um, There's also this thing called periodization that can be a little complicated. So periodization is instead of looking at each individual day or individual week, you look Mm -hmm. at months or years of your training at one time. Mm -hmm. And so for one period of training, you might focus more on taking class because that's what the schedule needs. Mm -hmm. And then after several weeks or even a couple of months, you might change that depending on what you're doing in season. Okay. So it is easier to see in those sports that actually have seasons where they'll do a preseason, during mm-hmm. season, postseason kind of work. In the ballet world, you kind of have it because of performances. Mm-hmm. There are moments where you're not performing. So you do kind of have postseason or off season. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are more in the intensive, like pre professional level, you probably don't have as many breaks, to be perfectly honest, um, other than just the random holidays that you get. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you can look at the broader picture of your training, Mm -hmm. you don't want every week to look the same throughout the year. Okay. You want it to be like, okay, for this month, I'm focusing on one thing and here's the goal. And then maybe next month I'll alter it a little bit. And then the month after that, I'll alter it a little bit Mm -hmm. so that you're not doing too much of one thing all the time. Okay. Mm. Um, So yeah, when you are not in season, that's a great time to be doing more cross training for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, That way you can actually build up enough strength and endurance so that when you get into class and performances, you're already there, you're ready. Mm -hmm. You're just cleaning up some of the technical skill that you need. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the dancers that I work with now, they take very few dance classes a week and they work out more and they do way better on stage. Mm-hmm. But I'm also working with musical theater style performers that have more flexibility in what they can do mm-hmm. with their schedule. Mm. Um, they're not 
required to be in the studio a certain number of hours a week kind of thing. Mm. So it's a little different with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, it is a little complicated. Um, this is something that I'm trying to go into more in some like masterclass series that I'm going to be doing too. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how you can break this down individually. Cause it mm -hmm. is, it's a little heady for most yeah. people when it's like, I just want to know what the ratio is. Yeah. The ratio is going to change depending on what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Cause even, even depending on the ballet that you're doing, you know, there's different types of ballets that you would be performing in. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily wanting to do the exact same workout for both. Mm. It just doesn't like John Q is not going to look the same as something that might be a little bit more like Balanchine. Mm. You just need something different for them because they're different shows. They have mm. different choreography and different skills that you're going to be doing more regularly. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. I think that's a really great way of putting it as well. Cause each repertoire requires a different skill, whether you're, and it will vary between being in the core or being a principal dancer what you're required to do on stage will be different. So your training most likely will be different. Like, right. so that's why, again, like when it comes down to, I guess, going back to the stretching and seeing what maybe someone on social media is doing, like you can't, don't do the same workout as them because your goals are completely different. And what you're required to do is completely different in terms of um, like how much, whether that be jumping or like mm -hmm. endurance everything is literally completely different. So like, right. yeah. Yeah. And, and especially when you get into the different styles where you're seeing more of these modern pieces too, and contemporary style pieces that requires a very different movement quality mm -hmm. than maybe a pedipop ballet. You know, it's like, you can't train the same way for those because they, they, they don't even look the same. The choreography is very different and yeah. the demands are very different. Mm -hmm. So, um, one thing that I will tell people too, since it is so individual mm -hmm. and most people just want to be like, just tell me the classes I need to take. Yeah. <laughs> just like, give me the, the information. Oh. Yeah. There is a thing called your rate of perceived exertion. Mm -hmm. so this is your RPE is what it's called. Mm -hmm. And it is individual. So this is when you take class or when you work out or you do an activity at the end of it, if you sit down and go, okay, out of 10 being like, I died in class versus zero. That didn't feel like anything. How much work did that feel like? Mm -hmm. So you can very easily start looking at how much work you actually feel like you're doing mm -hmm. or how much fatigue and exertion you went through to do certain parts of class or workouts. Mm -hmm. And you can see if you are staying in this like eight or nine out of 10 exertion level, you're doing too much each time. But if you're in like a two to four every single time, also not enough. Mm -hmm. So you have to vary it up a little bit. So when you are working through things, you can be like, mm, rehearsals kind of feel like a five for me because there's so much up and down. Maybe mm -hmm. I'm not doing as much endurance work. So it doesn't feel as, as much work for me. Maybe I should do a workout maybe earlier in the day or something that's maybe a little bit more intense just mm -hmm. to like get myself stronger and feel mm -hmm. a little bit better. So that way you can kind of measure where you're getting your workout in based on how you feel instead mm -hmm. of it being just following someone else's schedule. Yeah. No, I think that's well super important because we're all so different and everything from, you know, what time of year to what show, everything will change. Yeah. Um, another question was, is calisthenics valuable for dancers? I mean, it, it can be a lot mm -hmm. of what 
we do is body weight. Mm. So yes, it can be. I mean, if you were doing any kind of partnering work, um, you do need to be lifting actual weights around. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not just holding up your body weight, but Mm -hmm. yeah, calisthenics can be very helpful because it's very similar, um, kinds of training and kinds of movement. Mm -hmm. But, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that the only thing you do. Cause I, I think we forget how much weight we are moving around in Mm -hmm. space when we're dancing. Yes. You might not be holding things physically, although sometimes you are, Mm. the props are not heavy though. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. like you're doing a ton of actual lifting of stuff, usually on a stage. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you were doing actual weightlifting, at least a couple of times, it doesn't have to be huge weights either. It can make your body feel like it's easier to move when it's Mm. just your body weight. So um, yeah. calisthenics can be great i just wouldn't rely on one thing only yeah no i completely agree um so that's all the questions that were sent in so thank Wonderful. you so much for answering them and i hope everyone listening um you know found those helpful i thought it'd be also good to touch on um kind of that little meme thing that, that yes. <laughs> um <laughs> the whole joke about dancers having Oh my god, what was it now? It was like a muscle roller. And all you have is a foam roller and no health insurance. And no health insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's sad that that's well, so many performers and dancers feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, you know, freelance people working in freelance or people, even like students and pre professionals who don't have that you know, they may not have the financial support, they aren't earning their own, they aren't earning money. Like, how does someone in that position navigate, I guess, looking after themselves and, mm-hmm. you know, looking after their bodies, making sure they're not getting injured or when they are injured, how can they go about that? Because it's mm-hmm. such a common thing to kind of feel like left alone or not sure kind of like how to, essentially go about that um right yeah it's it is a common issue and there was something that statement was mm. just so accurate of like and here you are as a dancer with just your foam roller and no health insurance like that's Mm -hmm. of course we can't be successful in this because we don't have any resources to help us so how Mm. do we do this um I mean the you kind of hit the nail on the head though with the concept of don't wait until you need to use your health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, try to do as much prevention work as you can. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes into, it's not just what you're doing physically mm-hmm. that can help prevent injuries. Um, everyone needs to be sleeping more. I find that most dancers just don't sleep enough considering how much work you are doing every day. Mm-hmm. It's, you need seven to nine hours on average and some people mm-hmm. need a little bit more very, very few people can actually function on six hours or less. So if you need to be sleeping (laughs) really and truly, that will help you way more than a lot of other things. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's no fancy tool out there that will replace sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of the first one. The second thing is make sure you are eating enough calories. Mm -hmm. Um, it can be challenging because there is so much of a body weight and body image issue in dance, mm-hmm. but calories are your fuel and you need more of them when you are doing lots of activity. Mm-hmm. 
and when you are healing. So if you are actually injured, you need to put more calories in your body mm-hmm. because your body is working harder to heal itself. Yeah. So you need to be eating probably a little bit more than you were used to. Mm-hmm. Um, this becomes something of like, make sure you're eating the right content of things. You don't want it to be like pure sugar all the time, mm-hmm. but you know, you need a good protein and you need a good, good carbs. You need the fats, you need all of it. Um, so that's a huge factor of if you can be as well-rounded as you can in your mm-hmm. food, you will probably be better off and that will reduce your risk of serious injury as mm-hmm. well without having to, you know, spend crazy amounts of money on it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then the other things are your active warmups instead of stretching and hanging out into stuff is definitely key. Um, avoiding avoiding those positions and movements that are going to be overexertional. Mm-hmm. Make sure you have a lot of control over your schedule. So you're only going to that like max amount that you can handle mm-hmm. the least amount of times possible. So you want to feel like you have control over your schedule that, mm-hmm. in that way. Um, when it comes to some of the stuff you can be doing at home, it is a little more challenging because there's very few resources out there. And this is something that I even asked in my Instagram mm. after seeing all of that. I was like, do you feel like there's enough? Mm. And overwhelmingly people said, no, there's mm. not enough. Like, I don't know where I can get all this information or mm-hmm. if it even exists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are people who follow me where I am one of the resources. So I was like, Ooh, time for me to be putting more stuff out there to make sure they know they can access it. Mm -hmm. So some of it is not just on you as a dancer. Mm -hmm. Most of it is on us as Mm -hmm. healthcare professionals, making sure we are being very obvious and available to you Mm. and giving this information to you and not hoarding it in our brains because we want it to be perfect and pretty before Mm -hmm. we give it to you. Mm -hmm. Um, because many of us dancers that become doctors and, and clinicians mm-hmm. still have the same neurotic tendencies. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> it's still there. We still want mm-hmm. it to be perfect before we put it out there. Um, but yeah, it's some of that's on us for sure. Mm-hmm. But if you are trying to figure out the best way to handle like the financial side of it mm-hmm. and not get injured, Prevention is key, but also the sooner you do get something looked at, if there is a question or a problem, Mm -hmm. the cheaper it will be. Yes. And it feels hard to spend Mm -hmm. money maybe on something that doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal yet, Mm -hmm. but it will benefit you more to do it then because Mm -hmm. it might literally cost you more financially later on when it actually is a bigger problem. Mm -hmm but it will also potentially cost you an energy and time, which you do not get back. Mm-hmm. And if you are injured and then can't take on extra gigs or do more work, that's then lost wages. Mm. So you have to think of it that way too. If you get, if you can get something under control quickly, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to affect every other part of your life as much. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that's a really good way of putting it. And I always, when I, I don't know, would feel a niggle or kind of could feel maybe something getting bad or just like, oh, this is kind of affecting me jumping or it's like, okay, well, I either push through where it's kind of manageable right now and then like I might have to take, I always just think about it, I either take the time off now or I'm going to be having to take more time off later. 
Yes. Um, yes. Because I'd rather just take the week off and maybe not do certain things for a week, see how it feels then rather than push it to a point of very high pain and then have to actually like, I don't know, be in a boot or something like, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I have to say the same thing to my performers when they're in a Broadway show is that like, you can take today's performance off and that might be all you need. Mm. You might be able to just take today off, let it do its thing. And then you can continue. Mm. It, it doesn't have to take forever. Um, do that. So you're not then having to take a medical leave that takes two weeks at a time. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, it becomes this like cost benefits thing of like, yeah, let's yeah, see exactly. what's actually worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say, because finances are like the thing that we're so afraid of because it's Mm -hmm. like you don't know when the next job is coming either a lot of times as a dancer Mm -hmm. so it's it's a lot of like I don't want to spend now if it's not going to be there later Mm -hmm. um there is something to be said about if the information is cheap it's probably not of high value Mm. So there is a lot of free information that you can get on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Not all of it's correct. Mm -hmm. So you you are kind of getting what you pay for sometimes. Mm -hmm. So you do have to kind of look at things with a slightly more intelligent eye when you are looking at stuff. It's it's, sometimes it's not worth very much. So that's Mm -hmm. why it doesn't cost very much. Mm -hmm. Um, Not saying that because something's, you know, $10,000 that it's going to be amazing for you too. Mm -hmm. There's something in between that will be Mm -hmm. more intelligent. But a lot of times just because it's there doesn't mean it's going to be worth your time, energy and money, even if that is very little money. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, invest in things that you truly believe in and that you think will help you out in the long run, mm-hmm. not just like the band-aid quick fix yep. that'll help you today. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, I think that's everything, Megan. I think we've covered everything. Um, before we wrap up the episode, where can, I mean, where can listeners find you? And if they want to contact you about anything that you've said today or anything we've talked about, for more information to work with you or anything, where can they find you? So you can find me mostly easily on my Instagram at the Broadway PT. Uh, you can also find me online on my website at thebroadwaypt.com. Um, you can book appointments and virtual consults through my website. So mm-hmm. I do free 20 minute consultations that are via zoom. Mm -hmm. So I do do those for people. If they have that question of, Mm -hmm. are we a good fit? Where should I be going with this? Mm -hmm. So that is available for people as well, without having to spend a whole hour with me and put a bunch of money down. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those are probably the main ways to get to me. So Instagram and my website. Fab. I will leave those in the description of the podcast and also share them on Instagram. Um, when this episode goes live, was there anything else today? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the, the big thing is that I will be doing master classes mm-hmm. soon to help actually get some of this information out there. Mm-hmm. So that, that was kind of the good timing with all of this too. Uh, I've started asking more questions being like, what do you need? Mm. And with all of these questions out there that anyone needs access to, um, I want to be able to get that information to you 
in a more affordable way. So mm -hmm. you're not having to wait until something's falling off before you get it checked on. Um, so that will be happening soon. Mm -hmm. So masterclasses with people like me and you know licensed dietitians and other kind of clinicians uh, will be happening. So hopefully exciting. that will be launching in the next month. Mm, very exciting. I will, yeah. I will, well, I don't know when this, this if they'll be up when this episode goes right. live, but when it is live, <laughs> Um, I will be sure to share it with people listening just so you can see it and keep an eye if it's something that interests you and something you want to be a part of. Um, because yeah, I mean, everyone needs something. I mean, like everyone right. like there's, I guess there's, it's a gap, there's a gap in the market, um, and exactly. dancers need support. So mm -hmm. where we can get support, I think it's great that more and more people are, giving support in different ways that aren't just like face-on-face -face situations right. and like mm -hmm. private situations. So right. um, it's really good. Um, I think that's everything. Um, Great. Thank you so much, Megan, for coming on. Really yeah. enjoyed our conversation. And thank you to everyone who tuned into today's episode. I hope it was helpful. I found it helpful. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. No worries. Bye. Bye.